0: Hello and welcome to the Leadership Vision Podcast, where we share our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of StrengthsFinder. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your organization, visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. My name is Nathan Freeberg, and today on the podcast, Brian Schubring and I are going to be talking about the discipline of interpreting and understanding strengths. In this conversation, we'll talk about why the way we teach others to interpret and understand strengths is, well, it's different from how we've traditionally been taught to learn. When it comes to strengths, there isn't really an established framework like there is in other disciplines. For example, in
1: math, there's always some kind of solution. When you're studying the humanities, there's always a philosophical framework and a behavioral causality to what's going on. Even in science, there's some measurable reason of why things happen. But with strengths, In interpreting and applying strengths, we are confronting those philosophies head-on because there isn't a sequential way to unwrap something. There's not always a specific reason why someone shows up the way that they are. And you have to unlearn all those patterns of thinking and problem-solving to truly be effective
0: in helping someone understand, interpret, and apply their strengths. So today, we're going to be taking the four most common question types we get about strengths and sort of turn them on their heads. They're not bad questions, but we want you to reframe your thinking when asking these questions. We'd like everybody, from strengths professionals to leaders, managers, or an individual just trying to understand their family, well, we want you to try this counterintuitive approach to understanding the strengths of others. I think there's something here in this episode that may transform the way that you think about interpreting strengths forever. So keep listening. So to put this conversation in context brian had just spoken with one of our past strengths communicator participants this person is a successful coach and consultant who had previous experience doing this type of work she was asking one of the common questions we get some form of if you take this strength and that strength and you put them together what do you get so when
1: she asked the question i obviously answered you know i have seen that but then i asked her some more questions To get at some of the fundamentals that we're actually trying to teach through the training. I asked her, what were you hearing? What else was the person saying when they presented this? When you made the connection between those two strengths, what were some of the, the key evidences or key behaviors that caused you to make the connection? So what I was doing is I was pushing her past that logical sequential approach like this strength and this strength work together to some of the more underlying realities of the behaviors of strengths actually working together. And that's really where I thought she was going. And then I realized through the
0: question that she wasn't quite there yet. (laughs) So the four questions we want you to reframe are, number one, have you ever seen this pairing before? And what does it mean? The second question is, does this strength always, and then you can fill in the blank there with something like, does ideation always generate too many ideas? Or does responsibility always overcommit? Things like that. The third question we'll unpack is, how can I help this person find balance? Now, usually this question refers to someone trying to project their sense of what a balanced life looks like onto someone else, often with a very different strengths profile. And finally, the fourth question we'll tackle and reframe today is really about order. Specifically, what does it mean if the strength listed as my number five strength really feels more like the number one or vice versa? This comes down to rank order versus functional order. And we'll talk all about what that means. So keep listening. So let's let's jump into the first question here. Have you ever seen this before? And you've already talked about this a little bit in the intro, but this idea that, I don't know, I guess I'd be curious to hear your answer too. I mean, We've been doing this since... You've been doing this since, what, 98, 99? I came yep. on board 01, 02-ish. Um, my answer would be yes and no. How would you answer this? Have you ever seen things before? Are you surprised by many strengths combinations, strengths profiles? What's at the heart of this question? And then how do you answer it? At the heart of the question is someone,
1: someone truly being curious, have you seen this before? Because if my answer to it is, yes, I've seen it before, then I may have an answer on how you can interpret it. If my answer is no, then somebody may also deduce from the answer no that there is a way now to sequence that too. And I'm saying there isn't a way to sequence it because what I want to ask people to, to do is to ponder this. Think of the last time you saw a sunrise. Think of the last time you saw a sunset. I can ask you this question. Have you ever seen a sunrise before? Have you ever seen a sunset before? Your answer is going to be yes. But you're going to be drawn into the beauty of that unique sunrise or that unique sunset that 's what captures your attention. You have a curiosity of I wonder how this sunrise is going to evolve with this temperature, with the water, with the clouds. you, you know where i 'm going, and that 's what I want to emphasize is that when when you say, "Have you ever seen this before?" my answer is going to be yes, but that doesn 't diminish my curiosity or excitement to watch how it unfolds, and that 's what really gets me going when looking at how things how strengths show up and how they 're put together. I still have this rush of adrenaline to hear how that strength and those combinations of strengths are going to evolve right before my eyes. That's what draws me in. You can't predict that moment when the the sun truly gets behind the horizon. There's still light there, but you want to stay there to see it. And that's something that I, I want people to understand In this process is that in a conversation, in working with someone, we don't quite know how something is going to eventually reveal itself, and it's going to be something you've never seen before, and
0: that's the point. How do you... So two follow-up questions. How do you stay curious... Then to not get complacent of like, oh, well, I've seen using your sunset. I've seen the sunset before. I've seen the sunrise before. How do you continue to stay curious to look for the nuances, to look for the uniqueness that comes with each of those? And then how do you somehow, you know, take those things to apply that, apply them to the next time you, going back to strengths, come across somebody with those examples, with those strengths, with those themes, with whatever they are. So I guess what I'm asking is, how do you stay curious and keep things new and fresh while also adding that knowledge and that information to your base of, you know, your resources that you're pulling from the next time you happen to encounter someone with a similar profile? I think that that question is going to be answered based upon
1: the individual. Because I believe this is a personal, a personal question. Are you someone who is curious? Are you someone who is a lifelong learner? Are you someone who really wants to help other people? I think that there's this internal sense that I want to be of help. That's what keeps you curious and, and keeps you learning. Because if you're someone who's focused on on humans and helping people out, you do understand that people grow, people change, and no person is like anybody else. And so there's something there to be learned. There's something there to be seen. And that creates a sense of excitement and anticipation for the conversation. True. If you're looking at strengths or any other psychometric or assessment for that matter as purely an intellectual or cognitive discipline, then this type of work may not be your thing. Mm. There's a whole lot to learn and understand with strengths from a cognitive intellectual approach. But the dynamic of integrating strengths with human beings, there's something about that that's going to say we've never
0: seen that before. Right there is that curiosity that has to be inherent in this type of work. So the second question here, does this strength always and some questions that we hear around this are things like does responsibility always overcommit? Does communication, does that always come out in a verbal way? Is competition always have does competition always have to win? Is ideation always distracted? I think the real question here, maybe the underlying question is are there absolutes in strengths? How would you answer that? I think the only absolute
1: in strengths is the name of the strengths. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think that's where my absolutes begin and end. Because we all know that there are multiple behaviors that represent each one of the strengths. And once those behaviors start working together, there really is not an absolute way to interpret or to approach a strength to answer. Is it always like this? Yes, we may find a lot of the strength of input being a type of mannerism that someone has and being curious to read things or collect information yes there's that but it's not always that there are common ways that we recognize the strengths um, but since strengths are always working together and pairing up with another strength it's really difficult for me to say there is always a way or always a time when specific strengths show up what we like to introduce is something that we would call the strengths spectrum there are extremes of how a strength might show up. You may, like the example that you used, Nathan, is a great one, is the strength of responsibility someone who always overcommits. Well, I believe that perhaps that's one of the extremes that you just mentioned an extreme of the strength and responsibilities that they're willing and excited to commit to something, whatever something's new. Well, on the other end of that strengths spectrum is someone who is reluctant to commit, who rarely commits, who may even regret to commit because they know how much effort it's going to take to fulfill what they put their name on. That to me represents a strengths spectrum. And for every one of the 34 strengths, I'm going to argue that there's going to be a spectrum of one extreme and another extreme and a myriad of possibilities in the middle of how that strength can show up. And if we give ourselves the freedom and permission to ask ourselves, is this at one end of the spectrum or the other? Um, that's, That's an approach I think that we need to embrace that gives us a lot of room. To understand the generative nature of strengths. Another way to put that, the helpful way that strengths show up to aid and assist
0: somebody else. Do you think that spectrum comes into play when you're talking about context? So I was having a one-to-one conversation with someone recently who said, we're talking about responsibility. She's like, I don't get that. At work, this is a business thing. You know, at work, I don't overcommit. At work, I'm the first one to say I'm not doing that. At work, I don't whatever... And then the conversation kind of drifted more to her family. And it was like every bell and alarm and, you know, highlighting, so to speak, of the theme of responsibility was like, holy cow, this is really strong in you. So is it a contextual thing where you might be extreme? At work, but not at home, vice versa for any of the strengths. How does that fall into this discussion question here? Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. We say over and over again, context has a shaping
1: influence on how your strengths show up. You have to consider the context. And one of the reasons why this strength spectrum is so relevant to this conversation today is because I believe that within each person, you possess the ability to span that spectrum regardless of context so i believe that what you're saying is 100% true um, or 99% true it kind of depends on how we're feeling that day right. but here's the, but here's the idea in one context to just kind of follow with our strength of responsibility in one context you may be that person that's going to sign up, that you're anticipating that. Did you want others to join because you want to commit? Yet, in a different context, maybe because you've been burned or even burned out you're really reluctant to commit. I think that that's something that we need to consider no matter what. Like you mentioned earlier, sure, the strength of competition could be someone who wants to win it at all costs because they enjoy the rush of just making that kind of win. Or someone who's very reluctant to take the field because they know the stakes are high. They know that they may not be ready. They may think that they're not on the right team. So the strength of competition in that context
0: may not be someone who's willing to go on the field. So then maybe a better way to think about this question or to ask this question is to find out, you know, in what context, let's stick with responsibility since we started that one, in what context does your responsibility really pop? In what what context is your responsibility more on that extreme end than another? Is that a more helpful way to phrase this? Yes, it is. And what I also want to emphasize
1: is there's no hard science on the definition of what the extremes of spectrum truly are. Hmm. That doesn't exist. I think that one of the responsibilities of the strengths coach or the consultant or the manager is to help that individual understand what the extremes are within their spectrum. So you may want to ask, when is it that you feel most alive? When is it that you feel that strength is most productive? That's an extreme. Then ask them the opposite question. When do you feel like that strength just runs and hides? Now <laughs> you have now you have your spectrum. Yeah. That's good. I know.
0: <laughs> it's really good. So Brian, this next question here, how can I help this person find a balance? I'm curious what you mean by this and how people have asked this before. I had a mentor once tell me that balance in life doesn't really exist. It's kind of like one of those, uh, we were recently at this playground with my kids where it was like a five-seated teeter-totter kind of a thing. And there was like a parent in the middle that was kind of making it all bounce around. But the idea is that life isn't really about balance, that sometimes you have to give more energy and attention to work to family but this idea of staying in the middle and keeping everything in this perfect equilibrium is is just very difficult if not impossible so when it comes to strengths when it comes to this idea of holding all of your five strengths in balance is that something we should even be focused on
1: we'll be right back
0: At Leadership Vision Consulting, we have spent 23 years helping individuals explore the depth and dimension of their personal strengths and have helped hundreds of teams build positive culture. We're excited to now announce our new online membership platform that brings together the resources, community, and motivation that you need to grow your influence and build a positive team culture. Through our courses, workshops, live Q&A sessions, and more, you'll gain the skills and confidence you need to lead effectively and with our supportive community of like-valued leaders, you'll never feel like you're doing it alone. Visit leadershipvisionconsulting.com/community to learn more.
1: What I think we should be focused on is that human beings are looking for those states of being. Human beings are looking for a state of balance. They're looking for harmony, they're looking for equilibrium, they're looking for homeostasis. Whatever it is that you're that you're talking about consistency. We actually seek that. But what I I think the illusion is in this is that balance, consistency, equilibrium, that there is an equality. And what I'm, I'm asking is that we recognize that for each person, their balance, their consistency is unique to them. And the challenge I think people come up against is that they are listening to someone talk about their life. And the person who's doing the listening is thinking to themselves, that just sounds like it's so out of balance. Or they say, I could never do that. How can you exist like that? And that's where the tension lies. Is then that the person doing the listening is trying to create some kind of balance, which is a projected balance onto someone else. What I'm asking is that here too, we remind ourselves to take a counterintuitive approach to this. I believe that each person, has found some way to create that internal harmony, balance, consistency with their strengths. And it's our responsibility to find out how it is that they do that no matter what it looks like. I I can't even begin to talk about how many examples that I have had in the one-to-one conversations that I have done where I've heard someone talk about how their strengths work together. And in some way, they have found a, a way for their strength of relator and their need for closeness with people and their strength of woo, which is their ability to be in social settings. In some way, they find how to balance that out. It makes perfect sense to them. And I think to myself as a truly functioning introvert, How is that even possible? But they found it. And what I want to do is to help people understand that this is who I am. This is how I have found my balance. And this next point I think is equally true. Going off of your example of like a multi-seated teeter-totter or think of like those mobiles that hang over the cribs of young children where like you bump one of those elements on the mobile and every other element kind of moves Until they maintain or find a new state of equilibrium and balance. That's also how I look at strengths. One or two strengths can be put in pressure, other strengths will respond to that and find some kind of balance all within the context that this is happening. Context has a shaping influence on how we show up here too.
0: All right, Brian, the fourth and final question here is all about order. My number one strength is this. My number two strength is this. What does that mean? We talk a lot about rank order versus functional order. We have this activity called the theme print where we rearrange the strengths in their different orders sometimes. What does this mean? How do you answer this question when people want to know the significance of their one through five? And, you know, gee, my four actually seems like it's more dominant than what's actually listed as number one. This is perhaps
1: one of the more common applications of strengths that we come across in the engagements that we are doing. An individual coming up and saying, my number one strength is this, of course I'm always going to do that. Or they'll say, oh, that's my number five strength, I rarely use it. So what they're implying there is that the order with which they have received their strengths after they've taken the online tool, That is the order that the strengths function, and that is static. And what we have found is that strengths do not show up in that rank order, that static order that you receive back from the tool. They show up in a more dynamic way. And so what we are focusing on is not the rank order, but what we call functional order. How do your strengths function within the context that they are acting? What does rank order even mean? Rank order is pointing to the amount or the capacity you have with that particular strength for engagement. All it's simply saying is you have the most of that. And this is based on your answers. And this is based upon the answers that you gave when you were taking the online tool. Now, just because you have a lot of something doesn't mean you're going to use that a lot. Just because you have... Not that much of it doesn't mean you're not going to use it all the time. This goes back to personal preference and it goes back to maybe the experience you've had, the feedback you've received around these strengths. And of course, as we've been saying all day, the context within which you are. So what we're asking is, which of the strengths are you the most familiar with? The ones that you have the most examples. Those are usually the strengths that you're most familiar with. The ones that are closest to you that you're using the most. We think that's a very important place to start, to recognize the functional order, to ask yourselves, which of the strengths show up first? Which of the strengths do I use the most? And if you're helping someone go through the process of discovering what that is, just ask them to give examples. Someone may just easily say, you know, I have a real hard time understanding my strength of analytical. That's a great indication for you that that person may not have the kind of experience to back it up as a true, strong, functioning strength another person may truly say, I use my strength of learner all the time. It's how I fix my fence. That's how I learned how to work on my car. It's how I redid my bathroom. And they have all kinds of experience. These are unique and interesting ways for us to realize that's a strong strength. It may be number three, number four, but it speaks to functionality. It speaks to repeatability. It repeats to, or speaks to the consistency of how someone uses that. That's what we're concerned about. And Another reason why we're focused on functional order is based upon adult learning. When it comes to learning something new, the language of strengths is usually something new for someone to learn. We want to start the learning process with that which is most familiar. So we use this process of determining functional order through the use of theme prints. We use that as a way to direct the learning. So we start with what is most familiar, and then we kind of move through the process of this identification of functional order to expand our learning even to the strengths that someone says, I really have no examples here. I don't understand what this is all about. Because by the time one of our sessions is over, people have talked about that strength, which they say they don't recognize the most. And their learning has deepened throughout the day and through the conversations. And they have a greater familiarity with that.
0: Does functional order
1: also get into context? Absolutely. Functional order is is highly influenced by by context in much the same way that we asked about the spectrum. If you, if you recall that part of the conversation where we asked the person, um, when are the strengths showing up at extremes? I think here with functional order, we can ask the same question. If someone says to themselves, "These are the two strengths I know the, the most. These are the ones that are closest to me," ask that person, in what context do you find that those strengths show up all the time? They give you an example. Then you can pick two other strengths and say, when. Are those two strengths more functional or more present? Then you get another example of how context has a shaping influence. You can ask questions like, which strengths show up the strongest at work? Which strengths do you rely the most on during the weekend? Which strengths really fuel how you engage the work that you're doing? Which strengths of yours really get you excited to build relationships? And you'll probably get a different combination of strengths in answer to each of those questions.
0: We have a difficult task ahead of us. The logical, sequential forms of reasoning we know so well don't quite work here the same way when it comes to dealing with interpreting someone's strengths. But rather than getting hung up on learning forms or philosophical frameworks, we want to remind and encourage you of the reasons that you became interested in this work in the first place. Most of you listening to this podcast started this work because, well, you wanted to help people. And it's important to remind ourselves that staying curious will open us up to learning all kinds of things about those people. It's not about the struggle to learn a bunch of new terminology, but it's about the curiosity and openness to receive who that person is as they discuss their lives, their relationships, and their ambitions through the language and lens of strengths. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, sharing our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of StrengthsFinder. Subscribe to the Leadership Vision Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your organization, visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. I'm Nathan Freeberg. Thanks for listening.